Welcome to the Live Your Purpose podcast, featuring compelling interviews with big-hearted people in the Oklahoma City metro area who are leading, creating, and innovating on purpose. Get inspired by conversations with passionate difference makers from our local community. I'm your host, Charles Gossett, Life Purpose Coach and founder of Full Integration Coaching. On today's episode, we sit down with Matt Goodwin, a passionate peacemaker with a heart for community service, animal welfare, and the development of local nonprofit leadership. And now, the Live Your Purpose podcast. Welcome to this edition of the Live Your Purpose podcast. I'm here today with Matthew Goodwin, who's the executive director of Bella SPCA, which is an Oklahoma City-based nonprofit that assists with the cost of veterinary bills for those who can't afford them, and that also seeks to find permanent loving homes for rescued animals. In addition, Matt currently serves as a city councilman for Ward 2 in the city of Bethany. His current passion project is cultivating the Brave and Creative podcast, embracing the nonprofit leader as artist, activator, and disruptor. His free time is filled with walking their two rescue dogs, playing guitar, coaching his daughter's sports teams, and cheering on his wife in her PhD studies at Baylor University. Matt, welcome to the show. Hey, thank you so much, Charles. It is, uh, it's exciting to be here. Yeah, it's good to have you on. And, and once I saw that you were launching out this podcast, I'm like, I've already had your name on my list to reach out to. I'm like, well, now's the time. So I want to hear all about that, of course. But, uh, but, but as you know, we start each episode with a kickoff question, and, and you've right. chosen yours. And we'll just ask that question and see where the conversation takes us. No, thank you, Charles, so much. Uh, it's great meeting you uh, a couple years ago through Ignite OKC and through, um, through the community there and in your talk. So I, I so appreciate what you're doing. Uh, yeah, so the, um, the question there, can you, can you say it one yeah, more time? Yeah, so, so the, right now, so I'll cue it up. The question that you uh, went with is, what are the struggles and triumphs that have most shaped your life? Yes. Um, and I think, honestly, both of those uh, first things that, that came to my mind on that question, and I guess kicking off a little heavy here, uh, just we'll go straight in, is yeah. that my um, mother dealt with chronic illness for all of my life. She was diagnosed with lupus and rheumatoid arthritis, um, you know, when she was about 22 years of age. And so all growing up, seeing her persistence, um, she was a woman of great faith. And so through all those things, I mean, she had um, a double knee replacement twice, um, just numerous things. And then the last seven years of her life had cancer as well. And so just seeing how she kept an element of joy through that just was always an inspiration to me. I have a great picture, uh, you know, before she passed away of her hands. And she was a piano teacher by trade. She taught piano and accordion even back in the oh, day. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So a little, little different. But her hands with the arthritis became so crippled, but she would still play the piano. And it was just uh, kind, of a, kind of a beautiful thing to watch of, of grace through pain. And, you know, she would still, she played for the Salvation Army for years for their church. And uh, so her persistence through that is something that has, um, been incredibly impactful for me. And then uh, the other story, I guess, that would stick out is my dad, my freshman year of college at the time, I got a call from a, a youth minister who was a friend and he said, Matt, you need to come home right away. Your dad's been an accident. And so when I got home, I walked in and my 
father's face was literally about three times its normal size, black and blue, missed all his front teeth had been knocked out. Um, and he had been mugged in, in our hometown where we grew up. And as he was telling me the story, um, you know, a guy had, had uh, put a knife to his back and, and said for, asked for his money. And my dad had said, Hey, you, you don't have, you don't have to do this. I'll, I'll give you whatever God loves you. Hey, you can, you can go. And so just his, his perspective through that. And that's obviously a, you know, an abbreviated version of the story, but just seeing him walk through that um, when I was so angry and to see how he had responded has been a constant challenge and, and um, has, has really defined things as much as I don't often live up to that, but. Oh yeah. Well, those are really impactful stories, both from your parents. And so your mom growing up with chronic illness uh, that your mom had with, you mentioned it was lupus and then mm -hmm. later rheumatoid the arthritis. Yeah. Rheumatoid arthritis. And, and then the last few years actually cancer. Yes. And, and, and the things that stood out to you, I love this. Um, the joy that she had, the uh, grace through pain, you mentioned that. Mm. which I thought that was, that was amazing. So yeah, tell me a little bit about, if you don't mind, grace through yeah. pain and, and how you picked up on that through her and what that means to you. Oh, no, thanks. Um, you know, she, she passed away in 2011. Uh, she was sick, only 63. And, and I don't take that for granted because I also have a, um, a number of friends who've, you know, lost their parents much earlier than that. But then I also have uh, friends whose parents are, are still there. And so man, I, I miss, I miss that, miss that voice. But several years ago, um, you know, she had been passed away for five or six years and you just, you begin to miss their voice and, and hearing that. And I don't have a whole lot of recordings, but I was going through an old box and I found a VHS tape of my grandparents 50th wedding anniversary. And I pulled that out. I found a, a VCR out in the garage, brought it in and I turned it on and I had been 10 years old at the time. And my mom played piano in, in Oregon for their ceremony. And she actually sang a song. Um, and it's an old song, uh, a, you know, a song of faith called uh, Whither Thou Goest, uh, based off of scripture, Whither Thou Goest, I Will Go, kind of talking of this covenant love. And so I remember sitting behind her, even as a 10-year-old at this service, watching her play the piano, looking at her hands that were already so... Uh, you know, crumpled up due to the arthritis. And even as a 10 year old thinking, how, how does that happen? And, and how is she able to sing like that? Um, and, you know, I obviously didn't have the, the questions about God at that time that, that would emerge, you know, later on in my journey of, man, how, how is God present in that? And how do you reconcile those, those types of things? But even as a 10 year old, I thought, man, that there is a beauty there that even though as she's playing, through such pain, it provides a, a beauty and, and comfort to those who are listening. So it, it, that was a, a pretty cool thing. Yeah, that's amazing. Thanks for elaborating on that and taking us into that memory of yours. I, I'm sure a lot of our listeners are probably thinking of their own loved ones in their life. And uh, while my parents are still um, with me and my wife's parents are still with her, I have had loss. You know, I'm old enough now at this point in life to sure. have had loss. And uh, so I've lost grandparents and my wife has lost grandparents and, and we've lost people yeah. that are younger too. And we know what that is. And uh, so Definitely. loss is universal, but with a parent, it certainly is unique. So I don't know what that's like, 
but uh, but I am picturing my grandpa right now as you're telling me this story. <laughs> who's, yeah. who's gone, man? And I'm thinking about all the times that we spent uh, camping, and he took me out golfing, and you know, oh, God love him, would he would cuss the golf ball up and down, and, and just. <laughs> but <laughs> well, you he have would, to do that. That's <laughs> oh, I, I think so. You know, it's part of the that's part of the game. But uh, well, yeah. So and then and then with your dad, if you don't mind, you know, going into that story just a little bit, if you'd like to. Um, and, it could be anything about him, but especially with this incident being mugged since that stood out to you and and how that uh, affected you. No, I, I think it's, it's interesting to me. I I have, I have two daughters now. Um, one's in second grade, one's in fourth grade, both girls. Um, and I was an only child growing up. Another part of my mom's illness, you know, I didn't mention some, but she, she had actually had, um, some ovarian cancer early on had to have part of ovary removed. And so they told her that she would never be able to have children. And um, so just, just coming through that whole process, I'm just so thankful for that. And I know so many people um, walk through such difficulty with that. Um, But my dad growing up, he, he came from, his father was a, was a good man, but was, was very stern. And um, you know, he, he owned his own welding and kind of fabrication shop. And my dad out of his brothers was probably the least uh, mechanically inclined. And so he just, he just came from a very, a very harsh environment. And, and so there's times growing up, you know, we were very close. He was still, he would you know, say, I love you and those types of things, but there's also temper in, involved there. And I, I found out later, I just found this out a couple of years ago, actually after my dad was passed away, but when his father was eight years old, um, his mom had died, um, and they lived in a in a rural area. Very few people. They lived on. They were you know farmers at the time, and so his dad at that time had basically uh, given him to a and and a woman a woman in a neighboring farm to to help with the farm and and he grew up then in a very cruel situation so mm. he tried to turn the tide a bit with with my dad even though he had been through a difficult situation and then my dad to me and so i guess the thing that's most stands out from this time is that i i realized after my dad then had been through that extremely traumatic experience and, and I mean I didn't do it justice earlier but I mean it was out of it was out of a movie I mean I mean I walked in and uh, just seeing my dad black and blue and purple um, but after that there was there was a difference to his personality there was you know I think there had not just been a physical breaking but there had been um, you know some some emotional breaking there as well some just examining of life of what's important. And so, you know, after that, we, we still all have temper and we have things occasionally, but, and there was just a, a gentleness to his, um, to his demeanor after that, that was much different. And, uh, you know, that's who uh, one of my daughters got to meet him and has, has memories of him. And so I'm just, I'm thankful for that. And I think just, just helps me to to examine things what's what's important and a well the you know the way that we approach anything from conversation to how we react in different situations so absolutely yeah and well said you know um i think that helps with this podcast it helps to know some of the backstory to um, our guests lives so that we can have some context because each person is so different but 
some of those early experiences that we have tend to be formative, you know, whether it's our parents or uh, teachers, friends, other family members, mentors, et cetera, that really have this impact early on our lives that form part of our character and, and set our, our, uh, our sails in a certain direction. So I can definitely pick up on some pretty significant threats <laughs> there, man. Well, definitely. yes. Well, and, and hopefully, you know, hopefully it's not too, too deep right off the bat. But no. At, at this stage of life, I'm like, hey, this is, uh, this is who, who I am, where I'm at. And, and there is, there's a universal thing. We've, we've right. all had struggles and trials, uh, probably elements of, of dysfunction in, in one way or another. And so I think the more that we can just be open with, with each other, um, then it allows us to be able to, to share each other's burdens and, and to walk together in whatever ways we could find. Yeah, absolutely. You know, um, well, the original question was the struggles and triumphs, and I know that those are all wrapped up in there together. But tell me a little bit about, you know, uh, after some of those early days, what are what are some experiences where you started to find uh, a direction, or um, where you started to experience some some success, or, or early indications sure. of where you might be headed? Yeah, no, I mean, I coming out of high school at that time uh, when that a lot of that was was really formative. I was I was either wanted to be an attorney or a pastor. Those were kind of the uh, the two things, and I, I loved the research element of I'd been in mock trial and different things, and I loved that uh, that whole process. Uh, but also, I had been a person of faith growing up, and and had been a, a big part of my life, and enjoyed speaking and and music and these things. So you know, ended up ended up filling that call to to ministry and and went that direction. And so uh, kind of started out in youth ministry and, and was a praise and worship leader as well. I play guitar and sing, some things like that. And so had some really meaningful years in youth ministry um, here in Oklahoma City. And then I spent a decade in Topeka, Kansas and had some years there as a youth pastor. It was in, uh, you know, the inner city of Topeka and was at a hundred year old church that was in a heart of a neighborhood that had one, how, one time looked one way but now looked very different. And so you had a church that was demographically, socially, socially, economically was now uh, very in a very different place than the surrounding community. And so was able to work there for about uh, four and a half, five years with, with volunteers and, and parishioners and try to be some kind of a, a bridge and, and learn from that community um, that was surrounding it what the needs were, what they could teach the church of how to not just be uh, an agent for proselytizing or something like that, but how could they be an agent for, for change, for filling needs in that area. I'm deeply thankful for that time. Uh, the other about six years there in Topeka was pastor of a, of a small church on the north side of the city, though statistically the poorest neighborhood of town. And so uh, same thing. We began to go in, went around the community and said, Hey, what are, what are the needs? What are the tangible ways? We are a small congregation, but how can we serve? And, and so we were able to set up partnerships with the rescue mission there and, uh, you know, had kind of food distribution, uh, set up some, some mentorship programs. But the, the cool thing was even early on social media, this was back 2009 and 2010. One of the really fun things at, at this place was, uh, when my wife and I, um, her name's Bonnie. When we walked into this situation, they were really like, "Hey, whatever, whatever you want to do or try, or 
It's like, let's go, you know, let's, let's try something. This was a church that had been in decline and had been struggling. And so, you know, we did a thing called a meal and a toy back in the day, set up a little simple, ugly website uh, and raise some donations through social media when it wasn't quite as easy to do so. But that first year, you know, we provided a meal and toy for students at this school. And then several years after that branched out to a number of other schools where there was thousands of students that were involved in this. But the coolest thing through this was for a lot of people, I think it just began to open the door to examining things of faith. Um, There's not a, there's not drastic stories like we weren't holding up signs and, and, you know, uh, whatever. But I think for, for a number of people, it at least opened up the door to have conversations about things of faith. And even one of the coolest things is there's a, there was a, a, a gentleman who became a friend through this, who, who had been an atheist for a number of years, firmly planted in that, and had been uh, very bitter towards anything with the church. And so coming through this time, there was kind of a bridge and a friendship built. Um, Tori said, you know, I am never going to have any of these similar beliefs on this side, but I can connect with you in this area of compassion and we can partner in some ways that are. Uh, uh, so I think that was probably one of the the great successes through that time. I mean, the, the program was cool and, and there, there were some students that were legitimately helped and there were some volunteers that really poured into that. Um, for me as well, that the door of my heart and personality was opened to the other in a bit of a stronger way than it uh, had before. And I was maybe a bit more honest with that with myself. Yes. You know, what I'm hearing is that you had this opportunity. First of all, you know, my insides kind of lit up. I've done some youth ministry before and youth praise band leadership and play guitar and sing and uh, have done that, have done, you know, Mm -hmm. camps and mission work (laughs) and all all that kind of stuff, you know, (laughs) those are each different areas of ministry, man, (laughs) camps, look out, you know, but, uh, but survived it, survived it, made it. Uh, (laughs) But man, you know, just to know that you walked into this church, which unfortunately you said was in decline, but that message, when you said, this is where I lit up, they said, you know, just kind of, if you got some ideas, just do whatever you want. I thought, thought, that's what you want to hear coming in, you know, just, we got your back. (laughs) <laughs> yes. Go do it. No, it was, it was such and and I sh- I need to 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 quantify and I don't know if anyone from there will listen, but you know they were in decline. That neighborhood had been through things. There was um, some some large companies that had closed down. A number of oh, people had moved yeah. from the neighborhood. Right. Um, so there are some things like that, and just the the demographic of it, it. It was a neighborhood where there used to be a church on every corner, and there just wasn't the population to sustain that. Yeah. As well as some, uh, honestly, some safety factors and some things in the neighborhood. But the people that stayed at this parish, this this little neighborhood church, were deeply committed, and they have impacted. And now they've gone since we left, they've taken it even further level. They've set up partnerships with even more, uh, some national places to expand their food distribution. And so I just want to brag on them that for a young pastor coming in the, the freedom that they gave to say, Hey, let's, let's go. Can we make a difference? Let's, you know, so I, I want to highlight that saying they were such a beautiful place for a first time 
you know, a first time pastor to give that kind of uh, freedom and, and backing. So, yeah, that's way cool. Well, that's a big experience that you had for sure. And, and uh, you said you grew up with faith. So this was already with you. But to be able to to follow the call, you mentioned a couple of different paths, you know, for those that are tracking the conversation, just <laughs> recapping <laughs> a little bit, you know, Definitely. so you could have gone off to be an attorney, you enjoyed uh, speaking and perhaps debating and, and having meaningful conversations. And uh, the path of faith was another direction. So you, you listened to that call and followed it. And I know I did not read that in your bio, but I know that pastoring, um, let me just ask you, what, what role is faith and pastoring playing in your life currently? Yeah. <laughs> or, <laughs> no, 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 no. No, or it's an interesting question. Interesting question. Um, at the end of, of the time there in Topeka, went through, uh, honestly, a pretty tr- traumatic, difficult time personally. Oh, yeah. Um, okay. And nearly nearly lost everything, family, uh, whatever, just extremely painful time. I won't go into all those things, but, uh, through that really had a, a crisis of faith. Like th- these things I've always believed growing up, um, and a wrestling and, and, and came through that still with, with faith. And, but I guess in a much different way. And that has even evolved, of course, over these last eight years or so, um, as it does for all of us. But I think as well, uh, you know, honestly, elections and things and, and 2016 um, has had a big impact, honestly, on, on my faith and, and, and how I view things just in, just in terms of it's been such a polarizing element. And, and it's, you know, I, by nature, I'm a peacemaker. And, and regardless of what somebody believes, politically, religiously, whatever, I'm like, you have value as a human. I, I want to connect. And, and the rhetoric has just been so divisive. And so I think finding ways to, to reconcile those things has been, has been a bit difficult. But personally, you know, coming through that, I mentioned that traumatic time. After that, I, I stepped away from ministry. And as I was searching of, of what was kind of going to be next, I stumbled into the nonprofit world. A lot of things that had done in a role in a church, fundraising, volunteer, community organizing, um, some things with technology. And so I stumbled into a, a role with a, a nonprofit animal sanctuary up near Guthrie and um, stepped in there as executive director. And that was really my first formal time in, in nonprofit leadership. I had written some grants and things before that. And so it was a beautiful entry as well. I mean, it was a, a crash course went in. There was 20 acres, 300 animals. I had no animal welfare experience other than that I really loved dogs uh, and cats prior to that. And so I just kind of jumped in. And so at this point in life, sorry, that was veering a little bit, but at no, this point in life, yeah. you know, my family and I, we, we still participate in, in, you know, weekly services. I play guitar and help, you know, once a month or so with, with praise and worship. But I think I guess the way I would describe my faith now is it has much fewer walls and a much longer table than, um, than it used to. And um, hopefully that continues to inform uh, the way I live and, and, and try to try to be about things. Yeah. I had that impression from you, Matt, just based on our interactions before. And, uh, and then of course we're friends on social media. So just seeing your heart and, 
uh, in your mind, you know, in your, in your posts yeah. and what you care about and how you parent and things. And, and my impressions have been like this. You mentioned the word uh, peacemaker. You're a peacemaker by nature. And living in polarizing times, you know, it can be a grind for peacemakers. And, and I'm a reformer. And so my, my you know, so I'm like, man, I, I see some opportunities with the polarization to mm-hmm. like, oh, okay, you know, this is really uncovering the lid and we can take a look. But it's also right. people are going into their camps and they're hunkering down. And that's, it's really hard to reconcile. You mentioned that. And yes, people stay on their, their sides and uh, it's really, really challenging. I and mean, that's a whole other conversation. I'm glad to go there, sure. but, but I want to sure. hit all your stuff too. So <laughs> let, let me hover. No, and, 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 uh, and I think, no, that. I think one key thing of, of what you said there is I think more and more recognizing people's personality and, and types and learning styles and all these things is so important to remember and that because I, I don't like the term sides, but regardless of where people are, you know, want to be able to love people wherever, wherever they're, they're at on that spectrum. Um, but it is, and social media is beautiful and it's used for so many incredible things. I love it. Uh, but man, it also makes rhetoric so, so divisive when you don't have to sit across from someone, look them in the eye, know their story, know their pain. It's like, yeah, are they angry? Maybe so, but man, they've been through some difficult things or, or whatever the case may be. So, uh, but yeah, d- down the road, whatever, but uh, hopefully we continue to find ways to, uh, to love one another through that. Oh man, I hope so. That's one of the core reasons I'm doing what I'm doing through this podcast, but also that's an extension of my, my call into the world through life purpose coaching and really find if you dig a little bit deeper, you find out who somebody is. And, and really that's where we're, I hope that we can live better lives from where it's, it's a little bit easier to see uh, somebody across the table or across the screen as more like ourselves than different. And that also they are uniquely themselves. You know, there are ways that um, anyone that we come into contact with in our daily lives is not like us, that they are, they are unique into themselves, but they're always human. Nobody's getting out of that one, you know? And so that's my hope. They can't escape that one. So when all else fails, I try to remember like uh, some other guests have said on my show, like Imam, Imad and Chasi and others that Mm. to recognize the core humanity that each of us has and, and uh, at least in my own faith perspective and as a practicing yes. Christian that trying to become fully human through, uh, <laughs> through grace and love and truth and, and uh, doing my best to trudge that road. Yes. No. And, and I, I love the conversations you're having in, in some ways helping teach us to listen to one another. Um, and the, the more that we know about each other, the harder it is to, um, I think, to just blindly put someone in, in one category or another. So, um, and I definitely need help continuing, continuing to listen better. <laughs> Who doesn't, you know? Well, okay. So we could go anywhere, but I do want to, I do want to make sure we talk about your, um, your political involvement and the, the, the role sure. that you've had for the last, what, year or so now? Tell us a little bit more about what you're yeah. up to. Yeah, thanks. So just, just over a year, uh, have been serving on city council in, in Bethany and, yeah. You know, my my mother back in the day was a student at, well, actually, so my grandmother was born in Canada, Alberta, Canada, beautiful country. And so she was born there until she was 18. Her mother had died as well. So at 18, she ends up 
coming from Alberta, Canada to Bethany, Oklahoma, there had been, you know, some missionary or someone that came through Alberta and she had no job, nowhere to go. Um, her, her, anyway, so she ends up making the trek to Bethany, Oklahoma to, you know, Bethany Penile College at the time. And so she, she went to college there and she was actually in this, you know, it's controversial to some in, in the, I'm a part of the Nazarene faith and has been something from the beginning that, that they ordain women and can be, you know, people have different opinions on that. But during World War II, when there were so many men who were, who were gone, she served as a pastor in this little rural town in Oklahoma. And there's this beautiful story of, you know, she was pastoring and there was two men in the congregation that were interested, kind of, you know, courting her per se. And one was very wealthy. And then the other was my grandfather. And he, at the time, um, was a cotton farmer, like picking cotton, like he didn't own a cotton farm. And so this other guy already had a, had a car, had one of the early cars and my grandpa didn't. And so it was around Christmas time and they had had a Christmas program. And, um, this, the gentleman with the car and said, Hey, I'd be glad to, it was cold. I'd be glad to drive you home. Uh, but my grandpa asked as well. He said, I don't have, I don't have a car, but I'd be glad to walk you home. And, and so she chose that and they were married for about 63 years. And so that was kind of the first part of my family in, in wow. Bethany years ago. Um, they didn't live there long, long term, just through that. And then my mother as well was, was at, you know, Southern Nazarene for, for college back in the day. And then I showed up here and, and went through, went through college there was gone for about a decade and, and ended up back here, which I did not necessarily plan to do. So as I was here, uh, you know, have girls that go to school here and just thought if we're going to be here for a number more years, if there's some positive that can be done in the community, I, I want to be a part of it. And um, I never honestly thought about city council politics and in, in general it was not a, was not something I said, Oh, I, I always want to do that. So anyway, stepped in uh, about a year ago, and um, man, it has been a roller coaster, quite honestly, of learning learning the landscape uh, and the minutia of of city government and management, the solutions and the things. During that time, you know, we we hired a city manager who's now resigned, and the city's been through about eight eight city managers if you count like short-term interim people in the meantime, in the last three years. So it's been very tumultuous. Um, so yeah, it's, it's been a challenge, honestly. It, it's been much, uh, I don't know necessarily what I expected, but it has been, it's been hard. You know, there's people that are impacted, there's budget shortfalls. And so there's utility increases and things trying to pay for things, which then directly impacts people who, who are on fixed income or, or who have budgeted a certain amount and especially now through the, the pandemic and trying to balance those things of being responsible in light of city things. And this is what has to be done in order for things to, to make it. But yet knowing that each of those decisions is impacting people that might be in a difficult uh, place. So yeah, it's been, it's been a, a roller coaster, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> what well, sounds like it and see I haven't been following along with everything so I didn't recognize the the turnover in leadership which mm. always is challenging and and I don't want to speculate yeah. but I just know I've worked in government you know my mm. my career before was in natural resources but it landed me in, in government work mm. at the uh, at the local level in Stillwater I, I worked there for a few years and then worked for the state for a bit oh nice 
and it and it has its own dynamic and its own uh, ups and downs. And, and, I, and I know some of those from city council meetings personally, you know, where I presented at in Stillwater and, and they were closed circuit television and, and man, right. you were, and, the, and the press is in the room and, and they're ready to get your words and, and tell everybody about it the next day. And, and uh, yeah. So, yeah, it's a different. Right. And definitely. And it's made me appreciate citizens who are engaged and, and who do show up, even if they're not a counselor or whatever and, and get involved with that. And I mean, the, the staff and the employees of the city are, there's a lot of talented people there. There's a lot of committed people there, yeah. um, good men and women that especially been so impressed during the, uh, during the COVID time who, who are still essential and have to show up every day. So I just, I just want to thank them. And, you know, again, at the end of the day, when, when things with, with money are involved and, and people's livelihood and where they live, I mean, it's, it's big decisions and people are passionate about that. But at the end of the day, and even through the, you know, especially with social media, that's amplified and, and people are, are, um, you know, sometimes excited, sometimes upset, but at the end of the day, I just try to be thankful for, for people being engaged. And I try to learn a little bit each day because there's, there's so much to learn there and so much that we can, uh, that we can improve. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, uh, talking about Bethany, I, we don't live far from Bethany. Uh, we're just down the road. Okay. And mm-hmm. um, and so I grew up playing tennis at the tennis courts when anybody could uh, behind SMU. Oh right. Uh, yeah. Right. So I, I I know the area really really well. And uh, you know, SMU is one of the colleges that our that our girls are, have have considered and. And, yeah. and we enjoy Bethany and, and love getting out there. And then, of course, my wife is a teacher um, at Western Oaks. Uh, oh, nice. Okay. Yeah. I don't think I realized that. Yeah. 23rd and Rockwell. So you know, we know lots of folks in, in the, the, the Tri-City area, <laughs> you know, Bethany, <laughs> right, Warriors, right. Oklahoma City. <laughs> right. So, well, I think that's well, there's, awesome. The, yeah. There's so many to it. One of the coolest things of, of that, and I mentioned the, the tumultuous things and, and yeah and challenging things, but I've got to meet so many local business owners and, and volunteers through the, you know, the children's hospital through, you know, straight out cafe down there, right yeah. on the streets. Um, That's good. Eat. Just, yes. And just, just great people uh, and people working hard. You know, you mentioned 23rd street, there's yeah. really a movement to try to bring revitalization there. And, and just even through small creative little things, bringing some, some movement and momentum. So I'm just, just grateful for, you know, everyone trying to make a difference in, in their corner, whatever, whatever it may be. Yeah, for sure. Okay, brother. Well, I want to make sure and hit some of these other high points. I want to give you some options here and not okay. that we have to keep containerize this conversation in any way, but, <laughs> but, you know, uh, but I'd love to hear more about your work with Bella or, and, or <laughs> your, your new um, passion project, your, your new podcast. So start yeah. with either one of those and just tell us a little bit about those. And we'll dive in. No, thank you so much. Definitely. I, Bella SPCA is something dear to my heart. I have been now at several different animal welfare organizations over the past eight years and actually was at Bella for a stint for about a year and a half, was gone for a year and came back. And part of that process is I love the, the heart of the organization originally founded was to provide veterinary assistance for people in low income situation. So you know, your dog that you've had for six years that you love as part of your family, it gets sick, you're going through a difficult time, don't have the resources to take care of it, Bella would come alongside, work through a third-party vet. 
and, and help provide assistance so that the animal can stay in the home and, and it either, um, you know, can get better or, and, and the other thing is because, you know, economic euthanasia is something that is starting to be measured uh, across the country in terms of where someone brings in their animal and due to not being able to afford care, their, their only option is to euthanize. And so that's the beautiful thing about Bella is when they come in and help in those situations, it's not only helping the animal, but it's helping this family. And I've met so many people over the last number of years, even my mom in her final days, like a dog was so incredibly important in her journey for comfort. When, when she was bedridden, when people don't have options to get out, uh, and animal and the human animal bond is, is a powerful thing. And there's beginning to be so much more research on that uh, of people showing the statistical importance of that. And, and how can even lengthen your life through through having an animal, which I think is really cool. But so I love that Bella's Heart that it's, it was first founded on that. It expanded into doing animal rescue and adoption. And now we do low-cost vaccination kind of preventative care so that hopefully we don't have to help because the, the animals have been vaccinated and healthy. And our current endeavor that we're uh, working towards, it's been delayed due to COVID, is, is launching a nonprofit uh, veterinary hospital. Oh, so wow. instead of us partnering through third-party veterinarians, we could then do the work ourselves, And the, the cost savings there would allow us to help so many more animals and people. So I just, I love the heart of that. If, you know, if anyone's looking to adopt an animal, they can do that. BellaSPCA.org. We've got adoptable animals there, big dogs, small dogs, cats. Um, and hopefully soon, if, if things hold steady, we hope within the next few weeks to begin opening up um, low cost vaccination outreaches again to where, you know, if people want to do that, their own vet, you've got someone you go to and you have the means to do that. That's wonderful. But for those that maybe don't, uh, we can typically do that um, for, for a fraction of the cost and those preventative things can, can really help the longevity of an animal's life. So that's, that's in a nutshell what Bella does. I mean, there's a lot more to it. There's a positive healers group, which is, comfort dogs, therapy dogs that go into VA, into veterans homes, to daily living centers and to schools. And I mean, th this group, and they're all volunteer, they go on a weekly basis. And these, uh, man, these volunteers are so inspiring. And they put in hours of training with their dogs. And all of them are at different levels of depending on where they're at in the process. But um so I'd, I'd be remiss to not mention them as, as a part of what Bella does. Yeah, we'll definitely give them a shout out. And I'll be dropping so the uh, web link that you mentioned as, as well as others in the, you know, of course, the social media oh, links in the show notes. Absolutely. I've been following along with Bella SPCA for, well, since we've known each other. And, uh, and there, we had two or three different dogs on our radar for a while. And, and <laughs> Right. Uh, we we got another dog from from the, the humane society you know but uh but when no they, her up, they do a great job too that's all sure too. yeah and it's one more dog you know that was this dog was surrendered <laughs> because right. what's what's the technical term and it's uh well they just have too many dogs and, and they couldn't take care of them yeah yeah a technical yeah. term for that so so she's got a loving home and She's yeah, a neurotic so little loving dog. So <laughs> she's perfect for yeah, our family. That's so good. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well then, and then let's make sure and hit the brave and creative podcast, which ultimately was the trigger for me saying, Hey, let's sit down and yeah. chat. So tell me all about it. Man, I have, I remember sitting down on my kitchen table 
probably seven years ago, still in Topeka. Well, no, it's, excuse me, it's more than seven years ago. This was, well, probably 2009. So a lot more than seven years ago. I don't know where that number came from. Anyway, yeah. and I recorded some, I don't even remember what I recorded on. I called it like randomosity, something weird. And then just never got it off the ground. I helped my father-in-law a few years ago get one started. And I'd always wanted to do that. And just, it had been sitting there. And, and I love I love nonprofit work, not just animal welfare, but I have a number of friends now that are engaged, you know, from people at the regional food bank to homeless Alliance. And I just, I just love that work. And it's, um, it, it's a great niche of people. And some of the most meaningful times of learning I've had over the last number of years is sitting down with a cup of coffee with those and other elements of the nonprofit world and just sharing stories. And I thought, man, what if, what if those conversations could just be made available to other people? Because there's sometimes that I learned from the technical aspects of the conversation, someone like, oh, in your donor management, do this, or in your fundraising, do this, but just as much from the personal things they shared <clears throat> and from lessons that they had been through. And so that's really the heart of it is just letting people share their story of, of how they got into that work. And then as time allows and, and when they can, if there's something that they really specialize in to, to share some expertise and that kind of thing. And, the, you know, <clears throat> kind of our tagline is embracing the nonprofit leader as artist, activator, and disruptor. <clears throat> and that I think it's easy to pigeonhole sometimes, well, a nonprofit leader is only the CEO with the shirt and tie or, or it's only the um, social, social worker at uh, this organization or that organization. But really realizing that nonprofit work is such a broad spectrum. Uh, there's people who are who are artists. Um, there's people who are doing you know community gardens. There's people who are doing large scale. There's a gentleman that um, I've known over the last several years who just put together a, a COVID task force for volunteers from around the country to go serve in the most densely hit areas. So across the board, it's just sharing those stories and hopefully eventually when things open up to be able to host some community conversations where we're bringing together experts in the nonprofit field to be able to share expertise and equip each other. Um, because there's also is people who are at very large nonprofit organizations have access to resources and training. Someone who's just getting started might not. And so if we can find ways to, to help equip others as they're getting started, maybe speed up that curve. Cause when you speed that up for someone just starting, then that's more people or animals or communities getting helped. And uh, so yeah, that, that's, uh, that's kind of the heart of, uh, of what we're uh, trying to do there. That's beautiful. I've worked in nonprofit myself and I have lots of friends in the nonprofit world. I think, you know, I, I identify as a servant leader and uh, and a reformer so i'm a kind of a mixed bag <laughs> but <laughs> but i want to be helpful but man i want i want to see the world be a better place too you know yeah. so um, yes absolutely and there's a lot of folks out there that are helpers and reformers and and peacemakers in the nonprofit world a lot of big hearted people <clears throat> doing amazing work and i know i'll give i'll give just one shout out to sure. uh, the young nonprofit professional network of oklahoma city mm. y ynpn yes. of okc they are extremely active and they even let me in you know and i am i'm not <laughs> <laughs> i'm i'm none of those things i'm not a young nonprofit professional but uh, but no, i lo i awesome. love their attitude and their energy and their outlook on life it's really you know trying to make the world a better place they're really open yes. about sharing resources, just like you're describing, uh, and trying to work together and collaborate. So, yeah. No, I'm glad you shared that. I follow them on social media too. I felt, um, you know, 
people can't see, but I have a lot of gray here in the middle of my of my beard, so I haven't got to to go. But man, I do sure. follow their events online and and love what they're doing uh, locally. Same thing. And the other thing too is, hopefully, each month we're going to have one interview with a specific nonprofit leader, and then another interview who's just uh, you know someone in the community or someone who has a specific um, knowledge or or passion that can be can you know be beneficial to someone serving in a nonprofit because you know every everyone's doing doing work that's meaningful and, and putting their gifts to use and it's just that we begin to share those things whatever our field is uh business nonprofit whatever and and uh beginning to help each other absolutely that's one of the things about this show and and your show that j- just making those connections uh, there's folks that have met each other that have been guests on my show and they had a friend that heard it and told them about somebody else. And I just love that when it's, it's not all up to me. It's just, you're just a channel at that point. And right. it's way more than I could do on my own, which I love that. So, okay. Well, Hey, I wanted to ask you too, Matt, as we sort of wrap up our time here, we didn't talk about this question, but I wonder what your thoughts are during COVID-19. Um, what are you doing to help get you through and, and what do you suggest others do in order to, you know, stay halfway sane and, and, and keep moving forward? <laughs> yeah, my dogs probably think they've been walking too much for the first time, for the first time ever. Um, I think probably finding some time still to, still to find a bit of of silence of solitude and just spend a few moments in that type of a way. Our house is, is kind of always going and, you know, my wife's been off and on working from home as well. So a lot of times there's, you know, we'll both be on the zoom call. One of the girls will have one for school. And so a lot of times right now it's been, it's been very late, (laughs) very late at night, but just spending a few moments um, in that I've, I've gone back to school as well. And, and, trying to take some next steps in educational journey that I've wanted to do for a lot of years. And so I've been doing some, some reading at night, which is something I have to do, but at the same time, when all is quiet, can make a little coffee and slow down a bit. So I think if there's any way to people just to find some moments like that, now there might be some people who their house is exactly opposite. They're like, man, I need some people <laughs> and I need some connection. I totally hear that too. Um, but I think being able to find some of those moments has been, uh, has been really helpful for me. Yeah. And I'll echo that on my end. I also am uh, a dad of two daughters. And so we, we've got two teenage daughters at home uh, oh, that wow. are trying to do the best they can. And when one of them's pretty <laughs> extroverted and wants to be around friends, the other one yes. can spend a lot of time on her own. But, uh, and then my wife is really active in, in with her work and as a teacher, mm-hmm. you know, trying to find a way forward and what does the fall look like? And, they are, oh man, what challenges they've had. That's yeah, no doubt. And, and trying to feed students they are, they're out there on the ground, you know, taking rotations and handing out meals and, and going above and beyond, which is just what teachers do, you know? So I love my teacher. I love all the teachers that are listening in. No, (laughs) echo that. It's been been so incredible to see the the innovative ways and the, the above and beyond ways that teachers have, uh, have stepped up. Okay. Well, I guess in closing, I do like to give the opportunity for each guest to mention ways to stay in touch. You had mentioned uh, Bella, but you can give a, a shout out again to any websites or social media channels that you'd like, and I'll drop them in show notes too. No, thank you so much. Um, yeah. Anyone interested in animal adoption or if someone's listening and they have an animal that is in need of, of veterinary assistance, uh, you know, bellaspca.org. <clears throat> Our veterinary assistance is 
cut back right now just due to all of the things, but we hope as things begin to reopen that we'll be able to ramp back up on that. And then personally, just braveandcreative.com. There is a, a contact button there to, to email. Uh, if you have a, an idea for someone that would be great, great to interview and hear their story for the podcast, would love that. Or if you just want to connect, connect personally, there's a button to do that directly. And it's got links to the, to the social media on there as well. So braveandcreative.com. Okay, I'll I'll be dropping that down, and I'm I've got some names in mind. I'll be sending them your way for that show, and I'll Please. be tuning in. No, that'd be awesome. We'd love to have you on uh, eventually here down the road, and uh, would love to hear your story and and uh, think there's some things that that you are about on a regular basis that could be really really powerful those uh, in nonprofit leadership. So, oh sure, anytime. Well, Matt Goodwin, thank you so much for being a guest on the show. I really appreciate it. So appreciate the invite and what you're doing. Uh, stay well. Okay, you too. Thanks. You've been listening to the Live Your Purpose podcast. I hope you've been inspired by my conversation with today's guest. If you like what you hear, please share with your social networks and subscribe so that you never miss an episode. I'm your host, Charles Gossett, Life Purpose Coach and founder of Full Integration Coaching. To learn more about the life coaching, public speaking, and retreat services that I offer, visit fullintegrationcoaching.com. And you can follow along with me on Facebook and Instagram at Full Integration Coaching. Until next time, remember, you are meant to live on purpose. Start living yours today.